Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The pride, passion, and pageantry of college football lives here. This is the Paul Feinbaum Show, our one podcast. This might be college football. Here on a Monday as the month of February begins to run out of time, so perhaps has the usefulness of the NCAA. We'll talk about that in great detail. When we left you the other day, the NCAA was being turned upside down by a court ruling in Tennessee, East Tennessee to be exact, when the attorneys of Tennessee and Virginia went to court trying to get a restraining or temporary restraining order uh, stopping uh, the NCAA from investigating the NIL case uh, against the University of Tennessee, which was never even officially announced. Michael McCann, law school professor, he also is a noted writer. Uh, You saw his headline from Sportico. Uh, That was his piece. Michael, thank you very much. Uh, So eager to uh, get your view on maybe with a couple of days to think about this. uh, Where exactly are we uh, with the NCAA's ability to enforce its own rules. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Paul. I think the NCAA is in a really bad spot in terms of the legal capacity to enforce rules that limit economic competition. That's really what the heart of all of this is. And it stems from Justice Kavanaugh's concurring opinion in the Alston case a few years ago. And now we're seeing uh, Judge Corker's opinion in this case, Tennessee and Virginia versus NCAA. The, the gist of this case is about can the NCAA and member schools limit how schools use collectives to recruit athletes? That's really the heart of it. And the judge said no. The judge said that's blatant suppression of economic competition. And NCAA arguments saying, well, this is about education, this is about competitive balance, and so on and so on. The judge just said that that just doesn't add up. And it's a pretty damning indictment of the NCAA and it's it is really usefulness and, and it's it's hard to see now, now they can appeal and there's other checkpoints but it's got to be discouraging for the NCAA usually as we've gotten used to with so many uh, major cases be court cases being out in the open uh, first thing you do is you say we will appeal uh, the NCAA issued a statement the other day Michael that that turned its head toward Congress. Uh, What do you read into what they said, if you can read anything into it? Well, I think they hope that Congress will bail them out, that Congress will issue some sort or pass a law that says in so many words, the NCAA has an antitrust exemption, college athletes are not employees, and that the NCAA has a right to regulate name, image, and likeness, maybe with the help of the Federal Trade Commission. That's all well and good, but the reality, as we know, Paul, is that Congress hasn't done anything like that. None of these bills has gotten out of committee, despite getting a lot of fanfare, national publicity. Not one bill has been voted on, and we're in an election year. It seems unlikely that there will be traction for the NCAA in this environment. Maybe next year, I don't know. I guess it depends on who's president, who's in charge of the House, who's in charge of the Senate, but even there, it's not clear. We see both Republicans and Democrats really critical of the NCAA. I, 
I don't know if they have a lane to get what they want. Yeah, and, and listen, everyone says the same thing about the new president of the NCAA, Charlie Baker. You know, he's a politician in, in, in a $5,000 suit. Well, good for him. But in, in your view, has he done anything other than move? I mean, has he moved the needle? Has he done anything other than maybe calm the, uh, all, all the venom and they, they used to be directed toward Mark Emmert, who, his predecessor? Yeah, Baker's a more moderating presence. He's, I think many would say he's more charismatic in a lot of ways, and that probably buys him some time, buys him some help. He's also a deal maker. I think he's less ideological. Those are things that are going to help him. I don't see yet evidence that he has had sort of this instrumental role in college sports in terms of Congress. I do think his proposal involving colleges paying athletes NIL and effectively recognizing a super conference where the athletes aren't called employees, but all but seem to be employees. He's at least thinking outside the box. He's at least trying to push things forward. I don't know if it's going to work, but I, I do think in a way by, by being innovative, he builds some goodwill in Congress because he can say, look, I get it. We've got big problems. This old system we have is totally unfair. It needs changes. The athletes need to get more. He's at least proposed something. Maybe that buys him some votes in Congress. I guess we'll see. Uh, Michael, you've written recently about what's next, uh, what is around the corner. Uh, you seem to be pointing toward college athletes being employees, maybe some even unionizing. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, I think certainly the pendulum has shifted towards, can, can we ever imagine college athletes as employees to they're probably going to be employees. And I think the Dartmouth case to me is really illustrative of that, where the, the regional director didn't buy Dartmouth's arguments about, well, you know, they're student athletes. Well, we lose money. Well, they're, they're, because they're students, we can't make them employees. None of those arguments worked. And, and partly because one, Dartmouth has a history of student employees who are in a union. That, that's a really key fact. The fact that Dartmouth negotiates with a CBA with students who work in dining services and also dining services that have lost money. So even if it's true that Dartmouth basketball has lost money, that's not a reason to not negotiate with them. It's also not a reason they're not employees because you could have a company losing money. It doesn't mean the employees suddenly aren't employees. So we'll see what the NLRB does. I think we know that the general counsel of the NLRB, Jennifer Abruzzo, is very much a proponent of recognizing college athletes as employees. As the general counsel, she'll have a pretty important role in terms of preparing materials for the NLRB to look at it. On the other hand, hey, if Trump wins this fall, there'll be a new general counsel. We don't know what that person's viewpoints will be about this topic. There's also the issue of this will eventually go to a court of appeals. And that's it's sort of there's a, a randomness to which three judges you get on a panel. We don't know what they're going to be. We also don't know what the Supreme Court will, would rule because we know just, Justice Kavanaugh would say, I'm guessing they're employees. But none of the other eight justices joined his concurring opinion. So there are some open-ended questions. But I, if I were running a school, I would be formulating a plan to ad adopt, to you know, creating some sort of set of rules, being open to negotiations with athletes as employees, because that seems like it's, it's going to happen. Michael, as we close down, as, as bad as the reviews were uh, for the NCAA in relation to the case out of East Tennessee in the federal courts, you spend a lot of time looking down the road. I don't think you have to look too far down the road 
for the next couple of court cases. What are they and, and, and what is the likely outcome? Yeah, big one is Johnson versus NCAA. That's the case in the Third Circuit where the athletes argue that they're employees under the Fair Labor Standards Act. If they are, that would mean they're entitled to at least minimum wage and overtime pay. That's a big one to follow because that could lead to the recognition of college athletes as employees. Another big one is out west, the case House versus NCAA. That case is, should college athletes get a cut of the money from TV? Why is it that pro players are paid some of the money for being on TV? Why aren't college athletes getting that? What about college athletes that didn't get NIL prior to 2021? Should they be compensated for that? That case is a big problem for the NCAA because it's been certified as a class action. And it's a class action on behalf of more than 14,000 players. The NCAA has, has estimated, and, and so of the plaintiffs, the case could be worth over $4 billion, a lot of money. So if I were thinking about cases coming up, those two jump out immediately. Finally, uh, I mean, it's easy to poke holes at those who represent the NCAA. You're, you're an attorney, and you're, sometimes you're stuck on the wrong side. Do they have any recourse uh, other than to get their head bashed in in court? Well, I, I think they can try the, con the congressional route. They're clearly trying that, but that hasn't yielded much fruit. To me, their best play would be hoping that, although the Supreme Court was really critical of the NCAA in Alston, Alston was really kind of a small case. It was about education-related benefits for athletes. It wasn't even about playing sports. It was nothing to do with NIL. It, it, you know, may maybe that same set of justices would be hesitant towards recognizing college athletes as employees. They may ultimately prevail, I don't know, but I do know that the Austin case isn't necessarily predictive because it was really a narrow set of issues about education-related expenses, really not, not in the center of college sports. Michael McKinn, thank you very, very much. Always great to have uh, one of the truly most important and influential legal minds when it comes to these matters on our program as we begin a new week here, the final week of February. Adam Thank Gorney you. Thank you. will join us in a couple of minutes. And then later, Steve Berkowitz, uh, he had an interesting seat the other day. He was in it with a small group of reporters talking to Charlie Baker as the decision came down in East Tennessee, essentially ruling that essentially saying the NCAA has no longer any enforcement power. We'll get the reaction of Baker through Berkowitz. Sounds like a law firm when we come back. Is your schedule too packed to see a doctor about your erectile dysfunction? Well, with Hims, now you can get treated for ED without stepping foot outside your door. They're changing men's health care by providing access to affordable sexual health treatments from the comfort of your couch. Hims provides access to doctor-trusted ED treatment options such as chewable hard mints, brand name treatments like Viagra, or generic alternatives for up to 95% cheaper. The process is simple and entirely online. Just answer a series of questions and a medical provider will determine the right treatment option. If prescribed, your medication ships to you free. No insurance needed. So what are you waiting for? Join the hundreds of thousands of trusted HIMS subscribers and get treated. Start your free online visit today at HIMS.com Paul. That's HIMS.com Paul for your personalized ED treatment options. HIMS.com Paul. Hard mints are chewable compounded products which are not approved by or verified for safety or effectiveness by the FDA. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies on product and subscription plan. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? 
It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. We're back. Uh, a lot of guests on Friday. We've already had one here today, so uh, we'll have a little bit of time to get some reaction. Uh, Mondays are always uh, fascinating days here on the program. Let's begin with Ken in North Carolina. Hello, Ken. Hello. Hey there. Um, what I want, did you hear, I was watching College Game Day Saturday from Virginia Tech, and they played a video of the president of the NCAA said that they're thinking and talking about expanding the teams in March Madness right. from the 68 to some 90-some-odd teams. How do you feel about that one? I think it's uh, completely absurd, um, and, and I have no idea why. I, I, again, I mean, I'm still waiting for a good idea from Charlie Baker, and this is one of his dumbest ones, the idea that you need, I mean, 64 plus 4, you have 68 now. I mean, you're talking about middle-of-the-pack middle teams are on the bubble. Why do you need to add teams that would completely destroy any importance of the regular season or the conference tournaments. Right now, there is still a little bit of intrigue, uh, and if you can't if you can't get to the the bubble line, I mean, what in the world are you trying to do? I mean, we're going to end up with with teams in the tournament with five and ten conference records. Oh yeah, not uh, Alyssa Lang. I believe that's the uh, lady from Tennessee who's on the show. She almost went crazy saying that is some of the dumbest things that she's ever heard. Yeah, that, that was uh, Andrea Carter who said that, Ken. And, and uh, you know, I, I know there's a conversation about that in college football. Or, you know, make it, we went from 4 to 12, and now there's already talk about 14 or 16. We're still talking about elite teams. I mean, when you – and I don't mean to say that if you're in the SEC and you're on the bubble, you're the 68th best team in the country. You're not. You're probably much higher in terms of the first 32 – because of all the uh, the AQs, but but I I, I mean I, I don't know really I think once we, what, there's something about that chair in Indianapolis that intelligent people sit in the chair as the NCAA president and they 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 immediately lose 50 or 100 IQ points and I think that's what's happened to Charlie Baker. Let's join uh, next John in Louisville, Kentucky. Hello, John. I agree. I agree, Paul. It would dilute it, and you also had the cut. The conference championships, the NIT, CBI, enough is enough. And John, one thing I, that I mean, right now, every every team is is eligible if you're in a conference to go to the NCAA tournament. You you can get to your absolutely. Conference. What what makes the you know some of the smaller conferences? What makes those tournaments uh, so exciting? Is when you get some no name team who makes it to Saturday night or Sunday with a chance to go to the tournament and cut down the nets. Now, uh, you add 25 or, or 30 more, and, and what's the point? Yeah, we already have St. Peter's. We don't need yeah. any more. No. I mean, <laughs> we, I mean, we need one more, one more team to, to, beat, to knock John Calipari out in the first weekend? 
Hey, Paul, I was going to give you some quick thoughts on uh, the way-too-early uh, ESPN's uh, top 25 football rankings, but a couple of quick takeaways from the weekend. Nate Oates is becoming the uh, Lincoln Riley of college uh, basketball. <laughs> Defense does matter. I mean, who doesn't go into Rupp Arena and win lately, right? Yeah, well, uh, I mean, he, he was a little short, but still um... – that, that was a fairly inexcusable performance from a team that, from a coach who just a week ago I said ought to be the national coach of the year. Yeah, and uh, Wake Forest needs to uh, control their unruly children. And finally, Rick Pitino, someone should tell him that you never wear all-white linen Armani suits before Easter. He looked like a pimped-out uh, uh, mafia, Don. Did, did you see did that? Don... Did Don Johnson die and will his uh, Miami Vice wardrobe to uh, Patino? It looked like it. Paul, do you have uh, time for my uh, quick comments on the top 25 by ESPN? Of course. Georgia at number one, no doubt. Ohio State, number two, I'm not sure. Ryan, uh, they always loses the big games, particularly to Oregon and uh, Michigan, which he's done the last four years. I'd take them down a couple of notches. Oregon at number three, I agree. Top five coach, top five talent, thanks to uh, Nike and Phil Knight. Texas, top five talent, eh, top ten coach. Here's the one that really blows me. Number five, Notre Dame. I know traditionally they're overrated at this time of year, but that's top ten talent and a uh, maybe top 20 or unproven coach. Old Miss is fine. Missouri at six and seven. Penn State at number eight. Uh, they've lost key players, key coordinators. And as far as I know, James Franklin's still a coach. I take him out of the top 10. I move number nine, Alabama, way up to maybe number five, top three talent. And I think overall they'll have better coaching. You saw their defensive coordinator in the Rose Bowl in the fourth quarter in overtime. You saw the calls from, calls from the um, offensive coordinator who, what, is a tight end at Cleveland now. Utah, number 10, yes, because they're the only big boy in the top 12. LSU, uh, they're fine at number 12. Florida State, number 15, their only team in the ACC. Here's the interesting one, Paul. I think uh, Tennessee at number 16, I think they spent too much money on one player, so no CFP. Clemson, Stable Sweeney's been uh, exposed now. Uh, number 19, I think uh, he's no longer a top 20 coach. And finally, Miami, number 24. Mario Cristobal is the new uh, Matt Campbell of uh, college football, people we used to know. What do you think? Uh, excellent. Well done, John. Uh, I'll move you right into a griff spot here every Thursday. Uh, let's go to Bash next in Boulder. Hello, Bash. Bash, Brother Paul, thanks for taking my call. How was your weekend? Fantastic. Thank you. Mine was as well. Uh, is Randy in the studio? Is he off today? Uh, Randy's off today. It's a Monday. Uh, uh, Randy, Randy well, doesn't do any more. Randy's a four-day, uh, no, excuse me, a three-day a, a three week guy. He's got... Uh, you got Jimmy Kimmel hours. Jimmy Kimmel hours. Let me know when uh, he decides to come in tomorrow and we can have some more fun. But I wanted to ask you a question, Paul, since I told you what I'm in school for uh, last Friday. I want to ask you a question about a story. I wanted to get a head start on him and see if it meets the, the Paul Feinbaum standards. Shoot. So before I moved to Colorado, when I was still living in Alabama – I remembered when Avery Johnson was the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets and they decided to part ways. 
The Alabama Crimson Tide head coach opened up, and he ended up taking that job and accelerating the program to where it is today. I use that as a pretext to Chauncey Billups is the current head coach of the Portland Trailblazers. As it stands, he is the most likely head coach to be fired from an NBA team on any betting odds that you would go on and make that wager. So with that being said, the rumors of the Colorado Buffaloes heads Um, men's basketball coach will be retiring at the end of this season. So would it be a fair assumption that Chauncey Billups could be the next head basketball coach of the Colorado men's basketball team? Well, I know virtually nothing about the basketball program there, but I do know something about Avery Johnson, uh, Bash. He had nothing to do with where the Alabama program is today. Uh, He was fired because his team had imploded. Uh, He did a fair job, not a great job, a fair job. And uh, what what success Alabama has had recently is all of Nate Oates and not Avery Johnson's. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Swamp Dog is up next. Good afternoon. Hello, Mr. Feinbaum. How are you today? Very well. Thank you, dog. All right. I'm going to talk to you about the uh, the court case last week with Tennessee and the NCAA. Okay. And the you know the judge ruled in favor of Tennessee, which I'm glad they did. But uh, I have an analogy, kind of comparison about that, what they did, what happened there. <clears throat> you know, if I'm driving my car and I go down, I, I go through an intersection with no stop sign, no red light, anything there. And then I get pulled over by the cops and they say, you just ran a stop sign. And I say, well, there's not a stop sign there. And they say, well, there's not a stop sign there, but there will be in the future. <laughs> and you just went That's through a good it. One. I like that. Yeah. You just went through it and there will be one there in the future. If I go to court, I think the judge would rule in my favor on that no because doubt. there was not a sign there. Right. Right. And that's what the point is, that, you know, you can't, uh, you can't, you can't break rules that don't exist anymore. You can run through a stop sign that's not in place yet. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, well, Doug, you're right. Uh, and, and essentially what, the, what that case did the other day was, was end the NCAA enforcement division. It doesn't end the NCAA because the NCAA still has championships in, in a lot of sports that are important to all of us. But they have no authority any longer when it comes to enforcing its rules in relation to NIL. I mean, that's, uh, I mean, eligibility questions are still germane, but rules violations when it comes to receiving benefits, they're done. They're, they're, they're finished. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Christian is in Alabama. You're on the air. Hello, Christian. Mr. Feinbaum, how are we doing today? We're doing great. Thank you, Christian. Yes, sir. Just wanted to update you guys on my career. Uh, I'm enjoying Alabama basketball this year too, by the way. I know we, uh, had some ups and downs, but they're looking good, I think, at the right time. Getting to my career, uh, I don't know when the last time I actually talked to you was, but I have been at a radio station. What a way to start. And we just, a few weeks ago, wrapped up the Coleman County basketball tournament. They're doing regionals now. Uh, I am not a part of it just because of my other job and work schedule. But we should be picking up baseball soon. And I guess the bottom line is this, Paul. Had I not picked up the phone to call you back in 2019, 
I don't know where I'd be because the first thing you ever said to me was to get experience and education. And I just want to thank you for, uh, for that advice and let you know that I'm doing well and I've come a long way. Well, Christian, first of all, we are all uh, incredibly proud uh, for you and, and, and excited. Tell us uh, a little bit more about what, what role you're playing in all this. So we have usually two, at, at minimum, two broadcasters for a game. Okay. I am the sound engineer. I'm basically the producer. I'm running the board, making sure nothing is messed up or anything, and you know, I think that's a really big start for me. You know, I've, you know, I've mentioned before I got a YouTube channel, so I'm used to talking. I talk if they need me to, and if I need to let them know, hey, it's not going very well. I, I'm basically the behind the scenes guy. So shout out to your producers because it, it's a very tough job, and you guys do a heck of a job uh, with this show, and um, we appreciate you. Well, Christian. Uh... Thank you. You're right. Uh, I mean, running a board, whether it's on a radio station or what happens in the control room here on a television show is extremely difficult. It's high pressure. There's a lot of things happening at once, especially when uh, when news breaks or something like that, which we've had quite a bit of. So I am thrilled to hear it. Christian, stay in touch. Uh, keep us updated. I hope you guys have a good time. I know the, I know the tournament's underway uh, in, in Alabama, so uh, we will keep up with you and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for the call. We head to the break right now. We've had a busy first hour. Michael McCann, more guests will follow in the next couple of hours, and we're coming right back on a Monday. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. Welcome back here, and uh, let's continue with more of your phone calls. And uh, (laughs) I don't know why I'm laughing at this guy's name. Would you? Do you think Slammer's a funny name? For a wrestler, maybe not, but for a caller. Slammer, how are you doing? Doing good, Paul. How are you doing? Uh, excellent. I just want to invite you down. Um, challenge me to an arm wrestling match at, uh, down in Gaston. I want to, I'm really looking forward to you coming to Gaston, Paul. Well, I've uh, been to Gatson, Alabama a zillion times early in my uh, days in Alabama. I used to speak there all the time and uh, had friends there and uh, just fa- fantastic place. So uh, you name okay, the, yeah. you, you tell me where and, and we'll be there. You guys all ready to go to Alabama to do an arm wrestling contest with Slammer? Let's go. Over the top. 
Yes, sir. Um, uh, now, now, Slammer, I guess I probably should have asked the most important question. Like, uh, can you describe your physique? Me? Uh, about yeah. 6'2", six, six, 320. Uh, actually, Slammer, something just came up. I need to cancel. Come on, come on, man, come on. <laughs> we just want to, uh, hold we just on, want you, are, you are six? You, you like, you're six you two, like barbecue? And, do I like what? Barbecue. Oh, sure. We'll feed you well. We'll put some weight on you, Paul. Where, uh, where would you recommend in uh, Etowah County? Uh, Pruitt's Barbecue. That's the best. We go Pruitt's there about barbecue? every day. Yeah. Sounds good to um, me. A uh, friend of mine invited you, too, Jackie McNutt. You remember Jackie? Yeah, I do remember that. So, so uh, Randy yeah. volunteered, too. Now, Randy's a big guy. Randy's, what, 6'2"? 6'4"? Six, six, Randy. Randy, the... 6'4". He's yeah. six four. I may I may I'm send Randy out there first, kind of to soften you up. Okay. How about bringing Saban with you if you could? Saban. Yeah, I, yeah. I could probably. I mean, he's probably doesn't have much on it. Well, you know, when would you like to do this? Uh, anytime, uh, March. Anytime in March. Oh, okay. If you yeah, want to do I'm it. I'm, uh, I'm planning on a trip to Alabama in a couple of weeks. I need to do something there, so uh, I'll just uh, zip on over to to Gadsden and uh, we'll we'll take care of this. Okay, that'll be great, Paul. I can't wait till you get here. Um, what do you think about um, the new playoffs in college football? Do you like it? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's going to be very exciting to have uh, multiple rounds. Uh, I- I- I've never liked the four-team playoff. I mean, the only thing you could ever say about that is it's better than uh, the one-team, uh, the two-team playoff. But but ultimately, I think it's going to create enormous excitement. So uh, we're off to Alabama in a couple weeks for the. Uh, Gatson, Alabama, the arm wrestling capital of the world, and Pruitt's Barbecue. Jeremy Pruitt, does that, does Jeremy work there? Is that his family? Yeah, Jeremy's from farther up in North Alabama than Gatson. I think he's from Sand Mountain or somewhere up there. Let's uh, check in with Joe in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. Hey, Paul, can you hear me? Yes, sir, I sure can. Yeah, I'm I'm living in Arkansas, but I am a diehard Tennessee fan. Go Vols. Yes, sir. I just had a, a, a couple of questions for you. And one is, that in the last game that, that Tennessee played in Missouri in basketball, I understand that, that Brinkowicz uh, was sitting there uh, trash talking our players. Have you heard anything? I have about not that? heard that. So, so that this game was what about a week ago? Yes, sir. So you're telling me that Eli Drinkwitz, the head coach at, at Tennessee, what was he trash talking them about? I I don't know, but he was trash talking them according to an article I read. Um, and I, if that's the case, I think that is a low life sucker for doing something like that. I mean, those kids can't even respond to him. That and, is, you that know, is really had, uh, disturbing. Had, to, I don't know that. I mean, I, I mean, uh, just uh, we'll have to wait to get some clarification on that. Well, you know, he he had uh, quite a bit of trash talking about the football team, uh, whether we were playing them or not. He's had 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 his mouth going pretty good. So uh, that's cer- uh, that, that's certainly a specialty of Coach Drink. Well, you know, I thought he was uh, a little bit more classy than that. And and if that's the case, just like I said, I think he's pretty low life. Okay. 
Well, I don't know what to say, uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll look into that. Uh, but I, I know I know Missouri's opening up spring ball today. I think Auburn's up, opening up tomorrow. That, does this seem very early? Uh, I wonder if some of these are going to break for spring break in the middle. But it is a smart thing to do, uh, to have spring practice as early as possible. It may still be cold, but in case somebody gets hurt, you have a considerably longer window to uh, rehab than you would if you if you don't open till early March or mid-March. Tanner is up next in Tuscaloosa. Hello, Tanner. Hey, Paul. How you doing today? We're doing great. Well, I just wanted to wish Daryl and all the Georgia Bulldogs a happy second and 26. Oh, it is day. 226 you know, today. Wow, I forgot about that. We remember two has passed to Devontae Smith in overtime to win the national championship. That was a great 2007. moment, wasn't it? It was, it was. But, uh, Paul, uh, I want to ask you, what are the ramifications? What are the dominoes that fall? What's the butterfly effect? When, in Kalen DeBoer's first SEC game, the Georgia Bulldogs come to town and lose to the Alabama Crimson Tide. It would be a pretty painful loss for Kirby Smart. He would, what, go one in uh, six against Alabama? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Something like that. <laughs> Nothing that that would be about. a reason to uh, trash talk. Yeah, well, well, Paul, I, uh, you know, I respect Daryl, but uh, over the last two years, he's, he's like the boy who cried wolf. He cried bulldog. Here, here's the bulldogs are coming. The bulldogs, they're going to beat you all. They're going to... Time and time, more times than not. Matter of fact, besides the time we were down two all-star receivers, we've you know mopped the floor with them. We've made them you know we own them. All right, and you could hold your head high and take a little moral victory when you lost to the goat Nick Saban. But when Daryl calls in you know late October after we've beaten them, because I know it'll take a break, just remind him that his words hold no weight anymore. He's called in too many times saying, here comes the Bulldogs, just for them to lose in the biggest spotlight against the biggest competition time and time and time again. And it doesn't matter, Daryl, whether we beat you by three points or we beat you by 40. A win is a win. And, and more times than not, he's just come on here, and it, his words just don't carry any weight anymore. And, and Paul, uh, on Friday, I believe you said you liked the, you were a fan of the circus. Yeah, I mean, yeah, when I was a kid. As I, a child, right. Well, I, I, I'm I'm starting to figure out why you allow all these old clowns to call into the show. <laughs> Roll Tide, Paul. Bama fans talking some serious trash. By the way, we're slowly putting together uh, some 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 information on what happened between uh, Coach Drink and the Tennessee players a couple of days ago. We'll uh, have more on that when we come back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's only a kick. 
a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. Well, a little bit of everything so far today. It's only uh, 49 minutes into the first hour of the week, and we say hello to James in Tuscaloosa. Hello, James. Hey, Paul. How are you doing? We are doing great. Thank you. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a long-time listener, first-time caller. Wonderful. I just, I just want to welcome Coach DeVore and his family to the Crimson Tide family. Oh, yes. That's what I want to do, and I want to say uh, I love your show, man, and we'll talk to you later. Thank you for that, James. I appreciate it. Let's uh, check out Matt up next. Hey, brother. How you doing, man? I know I've been called this show for a while. I'm with my sister in San Antonio. Look, I know you guys have been worried about me. I'm just trying to take it day by day, man. So what's going and, on um, with you, Matt? Tell us about it. I just I don't like to live with my sister. She gets on my nerves real bad. She doesn't think I could live on my own. She will not support it. So we fight a lot about that. So I'm just not trying to fight no more. Just going to try to prove them wrong. It's just so I'm training day by day, trying to get are you, to my uh, Matt, are you, are you working right now? No, not right now. I'm going to try to get a job. Where, where are you looking? To get a job so uh, what, kind of, what kind of job are you looking at? Well, this, I hate to say it, so I don't want to go back to fast food, but Whataburger pays their cook $13 an hour, so I don't mind that. Better Wait, hold on, hold dollars. on a second. I, my career began in fast food at McDonald's, and you just well, said Whataburger pays $13 an hour? Yeah, $13 an hour as a cook at Whataburger. And I don't go back to McDonald's. I had a really bad experience. But where, where, did, where did you previously work? McDonald's. Okay. I hope well, you I had a better ending there than I did. I need to get something off my chest to you, Paul. I don't want to make you uncomfortable. No, no, you're if not going to ever kids, make me uncomfortable. Okay. If I have kids someday, I found out some things in the UN I could do to work, work for them and work me up to the top. If I have kids someday... Paul, if something happens to me and I get married, I want them to go to you, one of my friends, because I don't want them to go to my family. I mean, Matt, that Matt, let me, let me tell you something. Heart. Everybody out there watching or listening right now has family issues. I don't think there's such a thing as a perfect. You have a. Oh, it's your brother. You want to get. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, well, I, 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 I kid you not. About, uh, I, mm-hmm. I mean, everybody has been through this, uh, including me. It. And well, I wanna, it is not unusual to, to have family issues. No, I get it. And I agree with you 100%. But I want to talk about Mike Elko. Okay. Look, uh, I know people are going to laugh at us. That's fine. Let them laugh. And I don't care if they do. We're still going to have a 10-2 season. I just want to say that's from the bottom of my heart, man. And I love all you guys. And I know I'm disappointed at the Tennessee loss. But I still got faith in Buzz Williams. And us Aggies are coming to have a comeback this year, Paul. We're going to whoop those long corns and go 10 and 2, brother. Hey, Matt, before you go, if you if you need any help, uh, you know where to go. I know where to go, brother. I appreciate everything you guys done for me in my life. Thank I love you, you all you guys. Okay, good to talk to you. Thank you. You be well. Uh, checking in with Brian in Georgia. Hey, Brian. Hey, Paul. How you doing, buddy? We're doing great. Thanks. I, I got some stuff to say, man. Tanner's sitting there running his mouth. 
talking us down just because he won a freaking game a, few, a couple months ago? That's nonsense. He needs a reality check. Uh, Nick Saban's gone now, so those days are over with, you know. And besides that, it's just like uh, – <clears throat> hold on. Uh, yeah, anyway, man, crap, I lost my train of thought. Oh, well, you said, you said uh, uh, Nick Saban is gone. Those days are over with. Yeah, yeah, so when he's talking about how Daryl's crying and peeing and moaning, I don't care what Daryl said. I'm going to tell you now, the future is not looking great for y'all. Kalen DeBoer's best accomplishment is freaking getting smashed in the national title game, and I hope you're paying real close attention. Because that's going to be what Georgia does. Well, he, uh, we by the way, uh, uh, Brian, he did uh, beat Oregon a couple of times. He's beaten Texas a couple of times, including the... Uh, yeah, so Nashville. did we. We beat Oregon, too. 49 to nothing. Hung 49 on them. Now, now, hold on a second, Brian. You sound a little bit upset about this. Well, it's just like, I hear all these Alabama fans running their mouth, and I don't know what they're running their mouth for. They got well, knocked uh, out. Uh, uh, okay, Brian, calm down. Let me explain why they're running their mouth, okay? They own you. They own us. They well, own Georgia. I mean, every, I mean, every time Georgia's in a meaningful situation against Alabama, what happens? Second and 26. I know won a title this year. A years ago. What? But no one seems to want to bring that up. I remember Alabama beating Georgia. Yeah, and I remember Georgia beating Alabama. What's okay, the point? Okay, so, so we're tied one to one. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Georgia, exactly. Alabama won it's part of that national now. championship, Nick didn't Davis they? Gone. Nick Saban's gone. What's Kalen DeBoer's record going to be against Kirby Smart? You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show Podcast.